0: Hey guys, Dustin Wynn. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. I'm listening to Bat Force Radio.
1: This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman, and you're listening to Bat Force Radio, so stay tuned. To Bat Force Radio. Thank you for spending your time with us again rather than taking out the garbage or doing something responsible. But we have Batforce Tom in California. Hey. And I am Robin Cross in Canada. Today's guest is a writer, illustrator, and multiple Eisner winner, known around the comics world for works like Invisible Kingdom, Bloodstained Teeth, Odyssey, Thor, Black Bolt, and Aquaman Andromeda, while working with co-creators like Matt Fraction, ram v g willow wilson and jason aaron among many others he has two big new things on the horizon that i am super interested in one of them is spectrograph alongside james tynan coming in 2024 which you can currently see a preview of in the pages of the devil's cut the debut publication sampler from new publisher distillery which has an insane roster of top level talent so check that out The other thing on that horizon is Batman City of Madness, a three issue cosmic horror epic on DC Black Label written by Christian Ward, illustrated by Christian Ward with main covers by Christian Ward. And joining us here today, conveniently enough, is Christian Ward. Christian Ward is very very tired right now <laughs> uh, well we appreciate you being here yeah the time difference it's uh, it's getting late in your day and yeah with uh pulling all those that at least uh, triple duty maybe quadruple oh duty.
2: yeah <laughs> I'm working twice as hard as anyone else <laughs>
1: at least but we appreciate you taking the time to do this uh how's it's life bad, been
2: I mean, it's well mate I mean come on it's. I'm living the dream. Yeah. I'm living Batman, right? the dream. Well, you know. I mean. I think every comic book creator. You know. Uh, wants to do a Batman story. You know. I think everybody pitches a Batman story. So to be so fortunate and lucky to have had mine greenlit and I'm now doing it. You know. And and the response to it has been. You know. It's not even out yet. And the response has been incredible. So um. I, I'm just. It, it's. I'm literally living my dream right now. So it's. I'm very happy.
1: Yeah. And. Uh, it- Particularly for someone like yourself who has sort of the uh, backstory with comic, you know, your own personal comic fandom that Mm -hmm. you do. And to that point, uh, we like to begin with a new guest for the first time with their origin story. So what was like that first thing that you ever saw that made you think first off before even getting to comics? Was there something that made you think that you just wanted to, to create art?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I think it all ties back to my dad. My dad used to um, work shifts in, the, in a factory when we were growing up. So we wouldn't see him a lot of the time. Um, it, you know, he'd often be working for the night, sleeping through the day. And so there'd be weeks where we wouldn't see him. And the way that he would, you know, kind of show his kind of love that, you know, we were still in his thoughts, or particularly I was still in his thoughts, Um, is he would, on the way home from work, he would pick up a newspaper that he would read before he went to bed, but he'd also pick up um, a comic from the newsagents. And so I would wake up and on my bedside table, waiting for me, would be a comic. Um, And it would be a disparate issue. You know, it would be mid-run, you know, last issue of the run. You know, it would be just a random book. He would like the cover, pick it up, and it could be anything, you know, and it it could be Spider-Man, the Hulk, And it could be, you know, anything, but more often than not, it'd be Batman. Hmm. And so like, as I was kind of, as I was learning to read and even before I was learning to read, I was consuming these kind of incredible stories and they would just, they're kind of like many comic creators and, you know, many people, I'm sure I'm I'm speaking something that you guys understand. It it just sort of like flicked a switch in my head. And I just fell in love with the medium and and just this this strange thing where the words and the art combine and it kind of takes you somewhere. And it was really love at first sight. And so even before I even hit 10, I was kind of drawing my own comics and selling them in the playground. I used to photocopy them at my mum's work. And I'd take these little photocopied sheets, like one pages, and kind of try and sell them for... Five p on the uh, on the playground to try and make some you know money for the uh, ice cream man and all that. So I was I was an entrepreneur even at a young age. Um, we're we're we, gonna
1: cut that part out before DC hears it and, and yeah. <laughs> like, cancels your your whole book here. <laughs> life. we could have
2: we could have got him for five p a page. Um, so yeah, so I you know it was it's something that I've always loved and you know growing up in as a kid in the 80s it was very quick I'd get the the UK Transformers comic which which was huge here um I'd I'd have that delivered every Saturday morning you know you'd be waiting for the the postboy to come and bring it and just like you know it was that like wanting to find out what happened next that was the thing that really stuck with me I want to know what happens next and then for me that's always been what what great comics have been about. I want to know what happens next and that, that hunger for that. Um, so it, it, it's, it's a seed that was planted at a very early age and it kind of grew and grew and grew. And then really it was when I was 13 and um, when my love for Batman was really, you know, really kind of there the year before I'd seen Batman 89 at the cinema and we were just like, was the best film i'd ever seen and i think from that point on i i don't think even now i've watched a film more than that because of the amount of times i watched it on vhs i mean it was every other day um amen so yeah i mean it's not a perfect film but my god it's a magical film
1: it's perfect
2: Um, (laughs) and uh but well Batman Returns is maybe slightly more perfect. I mean, like oh, growing up, okay. it, was, it it became a thing that you know, but that it was that first one that really just like ignited that yo know, love of just like this character, um, and then my my parents bought me um Arkham Asylum, Batman Arkham Asylum, Serious House on the Serious Earth, and I was thirteen. Oof! Uh, and um, <laughs> my god, reading this, I mean, I I read the kin and joke when I was about ten. So
0: you know (laughs) I
2: mean what can I say? They they were comics, they're for kids. They didn't even look in them. Um but I remember just going from pen and ink illustrations to what McKean did in you know the book with Grant Morrison was just incredible, just the how Dave McKean uses photography, paint a collage often always on the same page in different panels and scratchy pencils and it was just these levels of reality that I'd, I'd never really experienced before and it was a revelation and it obviously at 13 i perhaps didn't quite understand why i loved it so much and as i got older i kind of i appreciated it more and understood why i appreciated it a bit more but just then the, the thing that I really looked, I just thought it was, can I swear? Can I swear oh, yeah, on this? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I just thought it was fucking cool. Do you know what I mean? I was just yeah. like, this is fucking cool. I just, it blew my mind. I remember taking it, like, I went for Christmas, on Christmas Day, to my cousins, um, spending Christmas together. And my, my cousin Emmett wasn't a, a big comic fan. Well, he, he isn't a comic fan, he was never a comic fan. And I remember showing him and just, like, wanting to, it was like, there must have been a part of my brain that was just like, if any comic can convince my cousin that comics are cool, this will be the one. Do you know what I mean? Because it was Mm -hmm. just, wow. You know, you've never seen anything like it. Um, And to this day, I mean, I I read that book and I flick through that book more than anything. It's become my Batman 89. It's the VHS that I keep putting back into the machine. I just constantly, you know, go back to it because it's just – such an inspiring achievement what it is it's just so bold and just so unusual and it shouldn't have worked really but it absolutely did
1: yeah it came out at a perfect time for it and it's funny how even to this day i don't know if there's a better example of something to show to a person yeah you know as far as uh, uh as far as quote superhero comics go to show to someone who thinks that comics are for kids and, 100%. Know, what better examples are there than you know Arkham Asylum and not just you know the the subject matter that you know uh, Mad Hatter was you know kind of uh, played up as a, a pedophile rather mm. than just you know a regular villain, uh, but you just the that is not some children's art no. in that in that no. story.
2: No, it's it's a feast. It's a feast. Just you know and a. I mean, I, I kind of, I, I, I find it hard to kind of imagine what that did to my brain as, as a, as a child. You know, the, the effect it had. I mean, it's akin to. I mean, I've never done drugs. I mean, I, I know a lot of people that look at my work probably would go, "That's he's lying." But honestly, I've never <laughs> done drugs. But, um, like I think that book was like, was like a drug to my mind. It just like, just did something to it. Um, and you know, and and. I, I don't think there's many books from that period that I can kind of go back to and still feel that amount of power. I mean, I, you know, I love Dark Knight Returns. You know, it's a classic. I love Batman Year One. It's a classic. But I don't go back to them anywhere near as much. You know, I look at them. I go, yeah, that's cool. I, you know, I appreciate that they're classics and they're, you know, they're incredibly well made. And, you know, I get that. But they don't have the power that that book has for me. Yeah, it, it it's really
1: special. So once uh, you you got exposed to things like this and art started getting its hooks into you, mm-hmm. where did you go from there? Did do was there art school in your future or anything like that? It was a long journey.
2: I mean, it was kind of like it's weird. You know, I I talk to a lot of creators and and you know I like to give people advice and if people come to me and ask me for advice, I I will always give it and give people my time. Um, and I think the thing that I always say is just be patient, but be persistent. And those two things will get you pretty much whatever your ambitions are. If you've got those two things, they will pretty much get you to that ambition in, in you know, in an amount of time. Because I, I, um, I always wanted to be a comic book artist and my teacher at the time dissuaded me um not and, uh, yeah and it's it's you know I, I come from a place called Wolverhampton um mm. which is a very small well it's not that small it's like a kind of industrial town in the middle yeah. Of, of, yeah, of the UK you, you, you've got the wanderers <laughs> yeah yeah that's right <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah um so um so really that like, the idea of being a comic book artist in, in Wolverhampton was akin to me it's, a bit, it's exactly the same as me going oh I'm going to be a movie star or I'm going to be a rock star. So it's no different. You know, it's just as unlikely as those two things. But I was very pragmatic. And so what I did was I was, like, okay, but that's what I want to do. But I can't do that. So what's the next best thing? And I kind of discovered that illustration was a thing that I could do. And I could do that at the University of Wolverhampton. And that could be something I could make a living at. And that's close enough. So I went to university to do illustration uh, and I I kind of like specialized for the most part in children's book illustration uh, and almost became one. I was like a hair's breadth away from getting a book published. Uh. Thank God it didn't, because like, I don't know, you know, I could be somewhere completely different now. Um, And obviously it didn't. And then I. I moved to London chasing fame and fortune because that's what you did as an illustrator. And this is kind of pre internet. So, really, to get a job as an artist, it was you would drop off your portfolios at these big publishing houses. And then you would come back at the end of a Friday to pick it up. And then that's, you know, the art directors would look at your portfolio, and be like, yes, no, yes, no, whatever. And it never worked. I never got a call back. I never got a job. Um, so, I kind of evolved. I, I got a, a day job working at Hamley's toy store where I was dressing up as a teddy bear, six foot teddy bear. You can't oh, make oh. this shit up.
1: It's true. Um, and, and funny that these days you could also still be called a bear. Yeah, yeah Absolutely. I,
2: I I you know, I might be happily married with my wife, but I will embrace that a hundred percent. hundred percent. Um yeah, no, so um I uh so I basically, I was like, okay, I'm doing this day job where I'm kind of like selling teddy bears dressed up as a bear, et cetera, et cetera. And so what I did to kind of feed my artistic soul like is I became a fine artist. And I would, I would find kind of galleries in London and kind of like cool bars. And I would put on exhibitions of kind of like large canvases. They always had a, a kind of narrative, all the paintings. They were quite strange and abstracted. there was always there was always a story going on. So there was always that in my brain, of wanting to be a storyteller, wanting to tell stories. Um and that was that was probably the most successful thing I did. I had a few good shows, I I made a little bit of money, but nothing I could live off. Uh and eventually I got bored of working in retail and became a school teacher. (laughs) And surprised myself by loving it. And I did that for 10 years, and I would say for the first five I adored the job um really you know really loved teaching young people um and I I kind of ascended very quickly so within a year I was head of my department and I was running the whole art department you know I had a real passion for it um but I was working in the east end of London and you know in quite a um quite a mixed community some of it was very poor some of it was quite affluent uh, but lots of it was very disengaged Uh, and what I would use and particularly the boys and what I found very quickly is the thing that would because I was the 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 head of department I replaced was was kind of older than myself Uh, and so when I came in as a kind of a younger man it was it was quite surprising to a lot of these lads oh this is interesting he's kind of like I mean I was still obviously you know 20, 30 years older than them, but to them it was, I was a bit closer. And I started using comics as a way of hiding the learning, because with comics, you've got to be able to draw, you know, life drawing, you've got to be able to do composition, you've got to be able to do um, um, lots of different kind of like skills that can be hidden within the kind of parameters of, of comic books. And so I would use them as a way of kind of, as a teaching tool. Um, and then just basically one day I had a kind of snotty nose kid who was just like, Ugh. and he got one of my worksheets, which were these comic books, but, you know, telling you what the kids had to do to learn that day. And he was like, if you're so good at this, why don't you do it? And it was like that little spark that was just like, so my whole career now is based on Spike for that one kid. I'll show you. <laughs> um, and, um, I just, I started posting, I kind of, it occurred to me, like, what would my comic art look like now? You know, because back when I was a teenager, it looked like it it jumped from looking like kind of like bad Jim Lee knockoffs to like kind of bad Dave McKean knockoffs. (laughs) And then I was like, well, what, you know, now that I've gone on this journey for the last literally like 20 years, and I've, you know, absorbed all this other art and absorbed all this kind of like, contemporary illustration and and all this other stuff that has nothing to do with comics how what will my comics look like and so i started doing comics just out of kind of curiosity again i never stopped buying them it was always something i loved um and uh i posted up on the uh, bendis board because you know the internet started to happen I'm to make myself sound really old here. Uh, and uh, fire had just been created, and somebody came in with, with this thing called wheel. <laughs> um, and uh, I, and I
1: told it. him it'll never last. Yeah, it won't last.
2: <laughs> yeah, I shall then. Uh, and, yeah, so I posted it on, on the Bendis board. Um, and a guy, I became quite friendly with a guy called Scott Wegener. Now, Scott, is, uh, he's a comic book artist, uh, and he's still working today and he's still drawing the same book today that he was oh, doing wow. then. It's incredible. And it's got Atomic Robo. I don't know if you okay. guys have yeah. ever, ever read it. Um, any readers out there, it's like readers, uh, listeners. Um, Atomic Robo is fantastic. It's one of the best indie books you could get. I mean, it was, it's to sum it up, it's basically it, Indiana Jones esque, but with a robot. it's it's great it's such fun it's really really good and he's such a great like cartoonist comic artist um and it was written by uh brian i forget his surname sorry brian um (laughs) but anyway they uh they invited me they launched their book and they invited me to do they'd seen some of my art on the forum and i did chant to scott and he invited me well why don't you do we need some backups it wasn't paid or anything like that it was just for free um you can do a backup strip it's five pages and I sort of said you know can I write it I don't yeah yeah mm-hmm. I said can I write it um and he said, go for it and so I wrote this five page comic and obviously I was working full time so I would go to work teach work with my colleagues plan what the curriculum was do the marking do all the stuff that's involved in teaching and I would come home absolutely exhausted and drained as as any teacher will tell you you are at the end of the day and then i'd start making comics um for the first time in a long time and uh it took me it was five pages but it must have taken me three months at least to do these five pages just to find that ounce of energy at the end of the day but also just I was finding my way again, you know, and you can find those pages online. I've posted them on Twitter and stuff. It's like, I threw everything at them, um, just trying to find what my work looked like. Um, but it, it, it kind of, it it did something because from that I got my first image book within the space of a year. I mean, that's, and that's incredible to, to, and I don't think I kind of realized that back then what a big deal that was. Um, But I got it within the space of a year. I've got this image book. Didn't make very much money. I mean, I think, um, I I mean, I think if I made a thousand dollars for the four issues, I'd probably be, I would have been lucky. I mean, it certainly wasn't much more than that but I just love doing it. So I did this book called Olympus, which I never talk about because it's awful and I don't like the writer. <laughs> you, don't, you don't need to cut that out, keep <laughs> that in. <laughs> um, so um, did that. Um, and then that I, I met uh, a guy called, uh, you'll know this guy uh, uh, called Nick Spencer. We yeah. kind of came, we came up at the same time. Uh, and then we did a book together called Infinite Vacation. And again, I was working full time, you know, doing this book, doing comics, you know, at night, you know, being really tired, you know, it's funny. And then I'd met my my now wife, and we lived. I I lived in a um a very small studio apartment in South London. You know, my my desk was here, and the bed was like, I could reach my arm out and touch the bed. And so she would go to bed. She'd had headphones on, eye patches and you know i'd work through the night while she kind of like softly snored next to me and we did that for years um while i was doing these books and again infant vacation you know didn't really make me a a lot of money it did a little bit better than olympus and it was also a bit better reviewed and people see i suddenly seemed to find there was a kind of growing fan base i was like oh i've kind of got some fans And then from that, I got chatting to Matt Fraction online and uh, we hit it off and Matt loved my work. Obviously, I love Matt's work. And he was just like, do you want to do a book together? And I think I fainted um, Mm -hmm. because I thought, wow. And then suddenly I was hit with this decision. Like Matt was able, like uh, anyone that knows kind of like, you know, the ins and outs of image, image don't pay a, a page rate. They don't work like that because yeah. you own the book. But because of Matt's name being attached to the book and he'd just done Sex Criminals and he'd just yeah. done Hawkeye. So he was like, he was hot shit then. Um, we were able to sec- secure, and they, they knew my situation. They were able to secure a very, and I was very fortunate, and I knew it. I, um, I, I, it wasn't a big advance, but it was enough of an advance to go, I can quit the day job. And I suddenly had I suddenly had this decision. I tried, kind of love teaching, but I've always wanted to do this. But it was like that. It was that step of you know in teaching. I because I I'd, I'd had I'd had about four years of being very poor in London. Um, yeah. And anyone and anyone who's grown up you know been in the city knows what that sort of you know is like. You know, eating baked beans and for dinner, and wanting to buy a CD and think you know in deliberating for months can I afford it Uh, and the thing I really liked about one of the things I really liked about teaching was I'd never had a job before where I was just like oh I've got money you know I don't have to worry so it was the the leap of faith to kind of like okay I'm gonna bet on myself and do comics but I'm gonna you know the guaranteed income is gone you know I'm gonna say goodbye to that but it was just you know I, I you know i met my my now wife, she was very supportive, thought that I should do it. Um we didn't have children at the time, so there was no real commitments. So I went for it. And really the the rest is history. Me and Matt did Odyssey. That kind of led to me doing Black Bolt at Marvel, which led to me getting my first Eisner. Then I did uh, Infinite and then I did Invisible Kingdom as you mentioned earlier with G Willabusson that got me my second two Eisners, um, you know, and then working with Ram V at DC on Aquaman, working with Jason Aaron on Thor at Marvel. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's incredible really. And, and, and that's led me right up to now, you know, you know, I mean, particularly kind of step, you know, I finished Aquaman and, uh, Chris Conroy, the, uh, the, um, the group editor was what's next and what's this, uh, what's this batman thing i keep seeing you tweet about
1: yeah no you know so it's a, a couple things there so as far as taking that risk you know we we always hear the stories of the people who who took the leap and and it worked but the risk is because you don't hear all the stories of the people who who made that leap took that risk and it didn't pay off yeah so luckily for us as well as yourself that it did work out on yours And yeah, as far as, you know, taking us up to the time of Aquaman, when I saw you announced as doing a DC book with a Ram, I thought, okay, this is great. Because I I tell people, uh, you know, working in a comic shop, I I get to tell people my opinions on comic books ad nauseum. They can't do anything about it unless they want to leave. Uh, But I tell people that, you're the type of illustrator that they want making the comics that they're reading because okay. of a style like yours for a long things have been changing recently they you know, it's it's uh, it's been improving for a while now but for a while at DC a lot of things just looked the same mm. and i would see new books announced you know they would announce this new you know a justice league or justice league you know character title and it would be, you know, one of the same few artists that are on. It felt like every other Justice League adjacent book. Yeah. And everything was sort of having that same flavor. But then, you know, all the other stuff that I was reading at at indie publishers was, was you know, artists like yourself who looked different. You know, it mm-hmm. was something great and something that looked outside of just what everyone was used to getting. So when you were coming on to to finally do this this thing at DC with, with especially with someone like Ram, that was fantastic, and yeah, the Andromeda was great. I, for anyone watching the video, I just had a couple images up on the screen, and yeah, that takes us now up to. They did ask what was next and what was this Batman idea because yeah, you were talking about this Batman book was something that you had wanted to do for a long time, right?
2: Yes, absolutely. Yes, yeah. I mean, I um. I mean, it was born from it was born from Arkham Silent. Yeah. You know, it's 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 kind of a. I mean, you've read it, you you know, it's um it's a pseudo sequel, which becomes more and more apparent as the issues go on. And I kind of, you know, there was. I did that because it's it's I wanted to. I wanted to thank that book for existing because if it wasn't for that book i wasn't sure i'd be a comic book artist and i wanted to create something that was a real him to the book and to batman as a whole um so i always had that little nugget like what what would my and i and i always put pseudo in there because i i don't feel like i can be like oh it's it's the sequel do you know what i mean it's 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 a spiritual sequel it's it's uh it's a love letter sequel it's you know it's, it's only grant and dave can do the sequel the real sequel this yeah. is this is my love letter um, like,
1: similar to how three jokers is sort of a sequel exactly. to killing, killing joke, joke.
2: Yeah. exactly exactly so you know fans of arkham when you read this book my book you're going to dig it um but i i um i did an illustration i had this this is image of of this this version of Batman and anyone who follows me on Twitter will have seen it and it's the kind of Cthulhu like Batman. And I posted it I posted it years ago. I mean I think the earliest time I can find it is is January, you no know, February 2021 was the very first time I posted it. So long before I started Aquaman. This is like long before I did any work at DC. And it was you know I'd never really I'd never done any work at DC. Um and so part of it was me putting a flag in the in the ground and just you know I don't know whether I want to say it was it's, it's magical thinking, wanting to manifest, because I think that undermines when pe you know real work and real efforts and real insight and just trying to be nimble, which is what I was trying to be. So I kind of put it out there and it it, it blew up. Um I was like, okay, this is something. Um and every now and again i'd retweet it you know i'd let i'd let six months go past and i'd retweet it again and it would blow up again and i'd be like this is insane it's like every time i post it it gets bigger it grows and grows and grows and i just kept doing that over the years repost 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 every time people got excited and so we finished Aquaman. And I got on really well, uh, working with Chris Conroy, who's the group editor, and a gentleman called Matthew Levine, who's the, um, who's like the direct editor. So he was the main editor, and then Chris was like overseeing and and doing all that. And we got on really well, um, and Chris said to me, what's next? And what's this Batman? You keep tweeting. Is there a story? And there was, you know, and that's the thing that was really cool about it. That there was always this story that I had what it would be. Um, so within, probably within an hour or two, I was able to kind of put that story down on, on like kind of a, a PDF, send it, and it was officially pitched. Um, and it was greenlit within a month. Um, it, it was unbelievable. So I finished Aquaman in October pitched it officially like kind of like at the tail end of October, kind of early November. And then and then I was doing it. It was absolutely it was wild. Absolutely wild. And I've been doing it ever since. And that's the other thing that's really lovely. Um that I am putting everything into this and it's it's been slow and methodical and laboured. I mean normally when you're working on like for instance if, like when I did black bolt uh, black bolt I, I was working to the point where I'd have to do Pretty much an average of five to six pages a week to hit your deadlines. Excuse me. That's what you have to do. Um to put it in context, this and these are oversized pages. I can have a week where I do three pages and I'm absolutely fine schedule wise. I mean I've just started working on issue three and issue one isn't even hasn't even had its FOC. You know, that's the beauty of working on this so far in advance you Know it's you know, touch wood, and if it happens to me, I don't like break my arm or anything. It's not going to be late, um, but also, most of all, it's not going to be rushed. Um, and it's, um, you know, I'm having such a blast doing it
1: now. Was your pitch process did it include uh, was there any back and forth? Was there anything that they you had to meet them halfway on, anything like that? No, it was it's That's
2: awesome. I mean, honestly, it's. I mean, it's literally been lots of this pinching yeah. myself, um, because there's—I mean, I can't really say because it, it, I don't want to spoil it for anyone who's, you know, and even for yourself beyond issue, beyond issue one. There's some really bold things in here, and they're never going to let me do this, and I have. Um, yeah. But that's the beauty of Black Label, you know, because it exists yeah. outside of, you know, the the mainstream, and it the, the whole ethos of it is. Let artists go wild, you know, and it's more akin to a career own book. Yeah, it just happens to have Batman in it. um, you know, but it's it's there's not been any I've had no pushback at all. In fact, my editors have been just amazing because it's all been about how can we make this better? You know, so obviously, you know, I'll have sent I'll send a script in. And I'll get notes back going, Oh, this is great, this is great, you know. Have you thought about maybe like kind of we need to clarify this a little bit? We need to like, you know, you know, this bit, this bit, you know, like good editors do, you know, they've been working with me to make this the best thing I can make it. And you know, we've me and Matthew, we've been having like Zoom calls where I've like been telling him what I'm planning and I'm like sort of talking to him like I am to you guys now, and I'm like, and then this is gonna happen, and then we're gonna have and, you know, and I've been giddy and I could see he's been giddy, you know, and it's just they are literally letting me live out my dream. You know, it's brilliant.
1: Yeah, that that's beautiful that uh, they didn't have anything to push back at you on is even when it's the things outside of the, the the flagship titles uh we had uh a few weeks ago clay and seth Mann on here to talk about their you know still as yet unannounced book but you may know something about what it is they're doing and what it's a part of but even in that space they had you know one big thing that editorial really wanted them to do that they you know found a, a way to work with it, you know, a, a, a compromise. But the fact that you didn't have to compromise is is great.
0: No, yeah.
2: no, it's, a, it's, and I'm very lucky and I know that. Um, and the way I'm treating this book is, I mean, I love Batman and I hope this isn't the last time I get to write or draw him and write and draw him. But if it is, I'm putting everything into this. Like I'm not holding anything back. You know, this is, I'm doing it as to put my absolute best in it so you know when this comes out if i never do batman again i can look at this in 20 years time and be really proud of it going i did it
1: yeah and and you did something really cool that's uh very outside of the when i first read it uh and i did just a, a posted some quick thoughts on it. I think I said where Morrison and McKean meet Lovecraft and Cthulhu, Christian Ward's be- Christian Ward begins Batman city of madness. And so that's what it feels like, you know, you can feel that it comes from it's sort of its home of Arkham asylum, but yeah. adds this whole other dimension into it. And Tom, I uh, just uh, cut you off there.
0: Uh, I was, yeah, I was just going to say that uh, similar to what Robin is saying, Um, seeing you know getting to read the first issue and uh, kind of putting thoughts together the first thing i noticed is and i'm not i don't want to spoil it so but i'll just say it generally is uh because of some of the characters and some of the plot points um you can tell right away you're not bound to any kind of rules or any kind of canon or timeline which is refreshing because Mm -hmm. um as soon as i heard this is going to be your story if once you see those points it's like oh he's gonna he's doing whatever he wants you know he's not Having to, well, I have to do this because this happens and this happens, so I have to write this. It's like, oh no, this is how he wanted to do it from yeah. the beginning. This is who's yeah. in the story. This is how it's gonna all pull together. And uh I, I would, I'll be honest, I, I didn't expect so many kind of twists and uh layered uh subplots going on at the same time. But no, at the you. end of the issue, very clearly you could start to piece together, oh, this is all gonna come to a head somehow, and I think I might know how, but I'm I'm interested to see how it continues on. So that was, as you say, you know, uh, you're putting all of it into it. Like you can tell this is a very layered, very intricate story with many moving parts that are leading to a specific direction. And Mm -hmm. each thing that's happening, you're like, wait, what? Okay. That's cool. We'll see where that goes. Wait, what? Okay. That's cool. (laughs) And then, you know, towards the end, it's like, okay, this is kind of crazy. All right. (laughs) You know, that's, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. One thing that, um, one thing that it, that it was kind of a joy to see and interesting to see is the concept of, uh, I guess, like trauma and influence of trauma and and yeah. evil, and um, has was that something that you always knew would be a part of this? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, like I, the way that I write and all my books have done this
2: is I feel like I you talked about layers, uh, and for me, great storytelling and whether this be prose comics film or tv is great when there are layers so you have your entertainment layer and that's got to be here but that's that's got to be built on top of a foundation that means something you know and like and that doesn't you know take away from the entertainment because you don't want it to feel like you know welcome to my ted talk it's always got to be fun, you know, and page turning, and, I, you know, hopefully that this is, but I, I I knew, because, you know, Batman's all about trauma, like, it's the, it's the core, it's all about trauma, I mean, for me, um, I've always seen Batman as, as Hamlet, you know, a man that has had this great trauma happen to him, and now he's having to enact a revenge that is not going to heal him um and what that does to him i mean i basically what i have just said could describe hamlet or batman you know it's yeah. the same thing you know and so really uh, that's the key that's the core of it trauma and you look at you know not every one of his villains but a, a heck of a lot of them Trauma is what has created them. Some sort of event that they've gone through. You know, you've seen it recently. We've kind of, you know, th- they've done this line of, you know, one bad day. You know, that one bad day is just about trauma. And um, and so I really wanted to bring that to the forefront and 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 kind of explore what that meant to the characters in, in Gotham, but also what it means to me. Um, but in a fun and exciting, scary, cosmic horror
1: way. Mm. and and some of those layers like it, i was thinking of uh you know we were calling them layers there. i was thinking of them as like you know building blocks of you know of in this case the the batman mythos and yeah. so like some of the blocks that you've taken it's the way that you've combined them so we've got like this block over here that feels like very traditional gotham thing that happens in gotham that you know this block feels like it could be year one This block feels like it's Arkham Asylum. This block feels like, you know, Court of Owls or, you Mm -hmm. know, maybe a a, a metal-ish kind of thing. And the way that you're building this wall out of all of them is is where it's really different, too. Uh, that, That certain combination. And then on top of that, the way that it looks, because few superhero comics, unless you or a small handful of other people are doing it most superhero comics don't look the way this one does and you you mentioned earlier when we talked about uh batman 89 and then that you you thought that uh batman returns was a bit better film that i kept coming back to uh batman returns because of the color palette in this you know every time i see that those pinks i i kind of think of batman returns you know that's kind of associated with that you know the the cat Catwoman's lighting and everything yeah mm-hmm. and uh that that color palette and uh, it most people wouldn't use it because it doesn't work in their stories but your story and your style this is how it has to be i feel mm. i mean the
2: colors that my my colors anyone who knows me my colors have always been quite idiosyncratic and yeah. just you know bold um and, and you know, there's no point me doing Batman and not bringing that to it because I want to I want, you know, I want to see what my Batman looks like. And I'm sure the people that have followed me that might not be Batman fans or might be Batman fans would want to see what my Batman looks like. You know, and I think, you know, I, uh, I, there's, there's a history of colour in Batman. I mean, as 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 much as they don't really work. I mean, the, the Schumacher films have some incredible imagery, very colourful. You know, mm-hmm. they don't work for me a hundred percent. Um but look at the Bruce Tim, you know, Batman animated series. I mean, more often than not, the sky was red. When's yeah. the night sky red? You know, mm-hmm. I mean and we will see that a lot in this, you know, that's my little nod. I'll often do the red sky at night as a little tip of the hat to Bruce Tim. Um because you know, you know, you can't you can't have a conversation about the pillars of Batman without talking about Bruce Tim.
1: Yeah. And uh, if you go back to uh, Killing Joke, uh, that was you know oh a, my an God, example yeah. of yeah John Higgins colors in that, but you can tell how out of place it felt for some people because when mm. Brian Boland recolored it for I think it was the 15th Oof. anniversary edition, Oof. he went back to the you know what you would expect yeah. a, a Batman book to look like.
2: Also, also um, Batman the Cult, um, yeah. Incredible trippy colors, incredible.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Tom. I think we didn't we do uh, an episode on the cult. We just did back? One. yeah. Thought so. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and yeah, definitely uh, a home for those colors. And yeah, to to your point of wanting to see what your Batman looked like, if I started seeing the preview pages for this for this book and it didn't look like your art, I would have been disappointed.
2: Exactly. You know the, you, you know you get one shot you take
1: it and I've been uh, asleep at the wheel here a bit but while we've been discussing this I should have been bringing all of these up here <laughs> so we've got the a cover here which is obviously by yourself
2: mm-hmm.
1: the B cover for issue one oh! Mm-hmm. Oh! yeah that so one's good. awesome yeah so cool obviously to anyone seeing that is Bilson kevich incredible as uh synonymous with batman as as any other artist is that's kind awesome. to be
0: awesome to see that you know him doing a, a variant for your book
2: oh and he just you know he's uh, and he's variant for issue too <gasps> just incredible i mean i think it's out there now It just oh my god and and the thing that was that really blew my mind was you know obviously batman's batman he's not my batman the Batman below the kind of Cthulhu Batman. Yeah, he's mine. I created him. Mm-hmm. You know, I I designed him. I drew him. And so Bill Sienkiewicz drawing a character that I created. Of course, yeah. he's a he's a version of Batman, but he's still my thing. Mm-hmm. Wow, what an honor! Mm-hmm.
1: And then you've got another one of my favorites here, Mr. Martin oh, Simmons. Oh yeah,
2: I, I, You know, me me and Martin go way back. So yeah. you know, I had to have Martin.
1: And then uh, you did another special cover as well. Mm-hmm. That's
2: yeah, that's and this one's is. this this one's really special because actually this one for anyone who doesn't know, this one's a reworking of the image that started it mm-hmm. all. So this is a version of this the there idea. you go, of the one I tweeted countless times, willing it into existence. So that had to be on a cover somewhere.
1: Mm. Mm. And for anyone who has read uh, I don't know what it is about this image, but this one that just feels like Arkham Asylum here, you know. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's you know just a cityscape shot, but something yeah. about that it it has that feeling.
0: It looks it looks like a photograph, like an like an action shot with motion. The way that you got Batman in the foreground, and then you got the motion of the bird or the bats, and then the city in the background. I love it, just the way you know it's multiple things happening. It looks like a, a snapshot from a camera. It's, it's oh, perfect. Thank you.
1: And and there's I, that pink in there, just like uh, Catwoman's like
0: And here you go. This is a little uh,
2: Easter egg. The uh, I don't. You can't quite see it, but the the, uh, the neon sign and he's running past. If you flip it, it says Axis. Oh, awesome. so it's from
0: '89. Nice Axis Chemical Very Rooftop. Cool. Shout out That's to uh, shout out to our good friend. Um, oh my gosh, Carl Newman who yeah, was the Carl movement Newman. double that
1: is in the suit in that shot. Oh, yeah, do you, cool. yeah. Do you know who Carl Newman is? No. Yeah. Uh, so he was, uh, well, he was originally a, a ballet dancer, right? And uh, mm-hmm. a lot of things like that. And he was hired by Tim Burton. So a lot of the iconic scenes in Batman 89. So right at the beginning there, you know, when you see Batman's lower down with the Cape spread wide open, mm-hmm. uh, that's Carl. Uh, when you see Batman hop into the, the car after uh, saving Vicki Vale, that mm-hmm. that's carl hopping in there oh, you know, wow. a lot of those that's scenes so cool. yeah when joker's on the air horn and he yeah.
0: he's standing and he turns and the his cape is flapping right next to the batmobile and he's looking up at the helicopter that's yeah, yeah.
2: oh wow yeah. Yeah,
0: the he's, iconic he's,
1: shot at the end where he's standing there and you see the the bat signal shining in the out. sky that's carl again yeah that's
0: incredible yeah, it's yeah that's, and there are so many
1: cool. there are so many of the images like even the promo images for the movie like, you'll see magazines that have you know a photo a promo photo or something from the movie and say you know michael keaton in batman 89 it that's actually carl newman batman 80 wow <laughs> yeah it's very that's cool
2: Wild. that's absolutely wild
1: Mm-hmm. And he's uh, he's become pretty active on uh, social media over the last couple of years, too. And mm-hmm. so it's it's fun to follow him, see uh, his uh, point of view on things like that and you know yeah, his bet. experiences. And he so went back recently to uh, to visit the the place that was the that stood in for Wayne Manor in the movie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, photos of him now in in the rooms that you see in the movie is very cool.
2: That's very cool. That's very cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Back to this, this here, we've got your Two Face here.
2: Oh. oh, I love Two Face. Yeah. Oh,
1: and, and this is a a very different take on. So the, on on your Two Face, the bad side of Harvey is drawn very uh, surreally. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, not uh, you. You've got the the realistic side on the good side, and everything in the room matches. But then, what what was the idea? I, the I mean, I just. Him?
2: I, I mean, the thing is, I love comics, and I think kind of what I love about comics is you, you can do things that you can't do in in film, TV. You know, you, you just can't. And so I really wanted to kind of take advantage of that and use a kind of different language, a visual language to kind of illustrate what's going on in a very kind of clear and like straight way. So this, there was this idea, I had this idea that I wanted to draw the bad side of Harvey badly so it was kind of like almost like a child's angry drawing um and it was kind of inspired by uh Basqua the the artist um I wanted these kind of very strange kind of angry you know and when I do it I'm very like "Mm," you know very like drawing it with scratching and almost like it's you know distressed um so that's what that's about the idea of and i'm treading carefully because you guys have read it but you know i wanted this sense of another thing another yeah thing there um and, and obviously you know and then being able to go to town and and kind of almost like he's the background, the backgrounds, it's, it's kind of like Francis Bacon, lots of distressed paint and just like quite nightmarish. I like the idea that, you know, in my mind, Harvey was a good guy that something terrible happened to him. Mm -hmm. And I've never liked the take that he's this villain because to me, that doesn't make sense. Why would he be, an out-and-out out bad guy. Yeah. He would be a, a good guy that something bad happened to him, and so now he struggles.
1: Yeah, and with, again, it's, it's trauma.
2: Mm. Exactly, So, You know, so um, I, I wanted the idea that, that there's a sense of nightmarish kind of like imprisonment, you know, that he's trapped in something that this is not nice for him. You know, this is, he's not having a good time.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, the other image that i just had up here this one here so another oh. uh another grant morrison thing going yeah. on here you know if yeah, not, I, I, I believe it's his uh batman and robin run it was yeah the uh, mingo yeah, so yeah. <laughs> don't see him often
2: <laughs> no well you know it was just like it, it, i mean i don't want to spoil who's 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 going to be in the whole thing i mean i remember when i tweeted about what i was doing you know people would me and go, I hope so-and-so's in it. I hope so-and-so's in it. I hope this guy's in it. You know, and I was just like, well, I'm not saying a word. You know, I know who's in it. Um, And, uh, you know, there there's, there is two kind of, I had two kind of things that I would consider about whether a character of, of, of one of his rogues was going to be in it. One, how much do I love that character? You know, even if it was just a fleeting thing, who do I want to pay homage to, you know, Creator-wise, but also like you know, a lot of the characters have to fit in the story. You know, they have. To, they, yeah. I can't just whack someone in. Just they have to fit. There has to be a reason why they're there and what they bring to the story. What are they facilitating? You know. Um, but you know, Flamingo. He was just. I mean, you'll you'll see in in, in issue two uh, what his deal is. But it was just too fun not to have him in. And I've, I mean, he, I've played with the character quite a bit. Um, He's a, he's a slightly different character than what he was in, in Batman and Robin. Um, But, you know, just pink, you know, I mean, Batman needs a bit more camp every now and again. So I was just like, I want to do a better camp.
1: And somehow all of these imagery, uh, all of the, all of the imagery for not only within the book, but all of the stuff from uh, just the promo images there are a lot of different uh, aesthetics but they all are representative of the work somehow you know from the cover art to you know the the pieces like this one here the if for anyone who's just on the audio version this is the the green bat head with the the tentacle face the cthulhu the the batman squidward <laughs> uh Zoid, the, the the Batman the bat Zoidberg head yo, yo, yo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all, all of this the, as different as they are from each other they are all so accurately representative of uh, the the aesthetic and the the feel of the final product thank you and yeah we can't say enough good things about it but oh, uh, so we, we, we have remained special pretty much spoiler free here. So mm-hmm. we're going to put a little pin in it here because we will have a separate episode with Christian where we go full spoilers. That will be uh, when the book is on shelves, you'll be able to hear that episode. We're going to use, you know, some magic of time travel and and make that one happen. But uh, before we put a pin in this one where we're going to leave it up until uh, you know, FOC is coming up. Uh, is there anything that you want to tell people about this book? Uh,
2: if you love Batman, I think you, you'll find something in this that you love. If you, like me, you grew up with Arkham Asylum, meaning something to you, you're going to love this book. Um, I put everything into it, as I've said. Um, but other than that, I would say FOC is on. September 10th Mm -hmm. it's hard out there for comic shops at the moment you know every comic that they have to order is a gamble it's stock that's going to sit on their shelves that's not going to make them money when they need to make money if you want this book I would plead with people to just let your comic store know so they know how many to order.
1: Let them know. So FOC, for people who don't speak our language, FOC is the final order cutoff. That is the date that your shop needs to know by then that you want a copy of it. You know, don't let your shop be surprised when you know, they think they needed maybe about 30 copies of this when, in fact, they needed like 65 copies of it. You know, don't, don't leave it to chance. Just let them know that you're into it. September 10th is that final order cutoff. October 10th is the release date of the first issue
2: and it will sell out
1: <laughs> it, it, it probably will we're, we're going to be waiting for that second print cover I can't, wait. I can't wait to see a second print
2: cover I know, I'm going to have to start thinking what it's going to be yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're going to put a pin in it right there so Batman, City of Madness Christian Ward October 10th, Final Order Cutoff September 10th, thank you Christian for being here, thank you Very everyone for listening and we will see you next time, this is Bat Force Radio have a good night